In July 2022, Anton Mazimba was murdered at his home in South Africa. He was the head ranger at the Timbavadi Wildlife Reserve and had dedicated his life to stopping poachers. In fact, that's the reason he was targeted. His death was felt across the globe. Even Prince William tweeted about it. Now his legacy is carrying over to the financial world. A new global partnership called Project Anton has brought together not only law enforcement, NGOs and governments, but also banks to help clamp down on illegal wildlife trade, which, as we learned from the death of Anton Mazimba, is a pressing worldwide issue. This is a big problem. It's a growing problem. It's about a $20 billion U.S. estimated on the low-end problem per year. That's Stuart Davis. He's our guest this episode. Remember, this is a crime that involves the sourcing of these wildlife parts and animals and ultimately the distribution. All of those involve financial transactions. Stuart is Executive Vice President of Financial Crimes Risk Management and Group Chief Anti-Money Laundering Officer at Scotiabank. He's here to tell us about this new project, what exactly wildlife crime looks like, and the role financial institutions play in preventing it. I'm Stephen Maurice, and this is Perspectives. Stuart, thanks so much for joining us today. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm going to start with what seems like a simple question, but it maybe has a more complicated answer. What exactly is the illegal wildlife trade? Well, wildlife crime is the trading of wild plant and animal species, some living, some just the parts of any of these animal species that goes against national and international laws. So not all animal trading is illegal, but in the case of this particular space, we're targeting those things that are illegal. And this includes the sourcing of illegal animals or materials, the transfer and the distribution of these animals. Okay. And how big of a problem is this? This is a big problem. It's a growing problem. It's about a $20 billion U.S. estimated on the low-end problem per year. It's really a major threat also to the global environment and biodiversity. And it can potentially cause the extinction of species and animals that we've all come to love and respect throughout our lives. I can remember as a child watching The Wild Kingdom with Merlin Perkins Mm -hmm. and, you know, the fascination with a lot of these animals from Africa, the elephants, the tigers, the rhinos, carries with you throughout your entire life. And I can only imagine if my children or great-grandchildren didn't get to see those animals one day. Of course. So potentially really a lot at stake here. And can you explain what they're trafficked for? What do people want out of these entire living animals or their parts? They're trafficked for the parts of animals, perhaps they're believed to be aphrodisiacs or some health or medical benefits to certain parts of animals. They're also trafficked for entertainment or personal trophies or personal live animal collections that people may have. Mm -hmm. Again, the challenge with this is that the trafficking in these animals really can create biological risk, what we call zoonotic viruses and other types of risks, because it's an unregulated health risk. Right. So that's the word of the day for sure, zoonotic. Can you explain to us what that means? Zoonotic is the risk of viruses and other diseases that can be associated with the transfer of animal products 
not just within a country, but between countries. Right. So a virus jumping from one species to another exactly. would be an example of that. Exactly. Okay. So where does the illegal wildlife trade primarily take place? It happens all over the world, unfortunately. And it even happens here in Canada. In Canada, we see often the black bear is targeted, the polar bears perhaps for trophies. They're also sought for the bear bile and claws and other parts. And there's certain species in the fisheries industries that are highly targeted. Lobsters, eels, sharks for their fins, obviously. We hear of the narwhal, which is the whale with a horn. Those horns are highly sought. Mm -hmm. All of these can originate from Canada, but Canada is also a destination country. There are many groups seeking to bring in things from other countries as well. You know, the rhino horn and its medical quote-unquote capabilities, right. exotic plant species, exotic lizards for private collections. Right. These are things that often come into Canada as well. Hmm. And they're just smuggled in by travelers or in shipping containers? How do they get these things in the country? You name it, they come in, yeah. right? They come in through personal means. They come in through public transport services. They come in through shipping containers really depends on the type of product. Often live animals are the most precarious to bring in. They're generally small and many times taped or attached to a traveler's body. No kidding. Like what? What kind of animals would people be taping to their own bodies? Rare turtles, small birds, wow. lizards or reptiles, for example. Mm. So tell me, how did the bank come to be involved in efforts to combat this. The connection doesn't necessarily seem obvious. Banks always had a regulatory obligation to report on money laundering and criminal activity when it flows through the financial systems of a bank. Illegal wildlife trade is one form of that illegal transaction. And we've always been on the lookout for this type of thing. But now we've got a much more concentrated focus on training people to understand the risks associated with this, how it's unique for us here in Canada, how we can identify that and bring it to the attention of law enforcement through the required regulatory reporting processes. So is it a matter of sort of taking the processes that you have in place already to try and identify and stop money laundering in other forms and using those techniques do you now also try to identify the illegal wildlife trade? Absolutely. This is a natural extension of what we've already do each and every day. However, the difference here is we're undertaking a much more concentrated effort to bring awareness to this, both at the bank through specialized training for our employees that look for this day to day, but also with our law enforcement partners, with others that we routinely work with to identify high-risk transactional activity. So can you give me any examples of how a bank employee, somebody working a branch or somewhere else might be able to help in this fight? What are they looking for? We're looking for a lot of things. And this is largely based on the training that our employees have received and the intelligence report and those factors that will be in the operational alert. There's multiple indicators of risk that are associated with this type of crime. Remember, this is a crime that involves the sourcing of these wildlife parts and animals. It involves the transfer and the delivery, and ultimately the distribution. 
All of those involve financial transactions that can point to risk associated with this type of crime. So mostly we're looking for the network and the linkage between these stages of this criminal activity along with the associated indicators, mm -hmm. large, out-of-the-ordinary financial transactions that perhaps are related to adverse media or a previous known trafficker in wildlife parts. So a lot of the risk indicators come through public, open source, news stories, news articles. Someone may have been arrested for their involvement in illegal wildlife trade, or there's some publication that suggests that particular criminal organization may have been importing or exporting certain wildlife-related products. Okay. I guess you have to do education with the bank's employees to be able to spot those red flags that you mentioned. And then once they've done that, you have a reporting responsibility. Who do you report it to? Yes, our reporting responsibility is to FinTrack here in Canada. They're a financial intelligence collection mechanism the government has established. We have a commitment also to really train our investigators so that we know what we're looking for. We never want to report a transaction that we know not to be something that has the potential for suspicious activity, mm -hmm. because in that way, we're protecting the rights of Canadians. Last year, Scotiabank became the first Canadian bank to join the financial task force of a nonprofit called United for Wildlife. What does that mean? What responsibilities does the bank have as part of this task force? And I assume their goal is to reduce the international illegal trade of wildlife. Absolutely. The objective of the task force is to raise awareness in the illegal wildlife trade. United for Wildlife task force was sponsored by Prince William and his charitable organization. And all the signatories to this task force have a commitment to fight these wildlife crimes through better investigations, better training, and making the appropriate referrals to law enforcement. We've already trained several hundred investigators, for example, at Scotiabank with these indicators of risk. Several hundred investigators. Those are people whose entire role is to be on the lookout for those types of transactions? Absolutely. This and many other forms of criminal transactions that could move through a bank such as ours. Huh. I didn't realize there was that many people involved in that kind of activity. It's a very big industry globally. Right. So Scotiabank is also part of Project Anton. It's a public-private partnership with FinTrack, United for Wildlife, RCMP, and others. What does Project Anton do exactly? Well, Project Anton is what we're doing to fight this illegal trade in wildlife. It is a very new concept because it's a multi-country international public-private partnership. In the past, we have had other public-private partnerships such as Project Protect focused on anti-human trafficking, Project Shadow, which Scotiabank sponsored, focused on the prevention of online exploitation of children and the financial transactions associated with that. But this is unique because it's multinational. We have the UK involved, we have South Africa involved, Australia, as well as Canada. And so this multi-governmental approach, multi-private industry approach, really creates new context where we hope and believe that we can make a difference in a true impact in this cruel crime. So 
with Project Anton, FinTrack has released an operational alert. Can you explain what that means? The operational alert assists businesses in identifying these indicators of risk that could suggest potential suspicious activity that is required to be reported. Once the government gets this, they do their own analysis and they correlate this with other types of information that they may have and determine if a referral to law enforcement would be the appropriate course of action. FinTrack itself can also receive inquiries from law enforcement and provide correlating intelligence reports that may assist law enforcement investigators. In Project Anton, this operational alert really targets what are those indicators of risk for wildlife trafficking or other associated crimes. Even the illegal procurement of plants and plant materials is included in some of these indicators of risk. Right. And I mentioned a little bit about Anton Mazimba at the top of the show, but can you tell me a bit more about the meaning behind the name of this project, Project Anton? You know, Anton is a name that has a very deep meaning for all of us. The project was named in honor of Anton Mazimba, who was the head of security at the Timbavati Private Nature Reserve and a global conservation technical advisor in Africa. He was murdered in 2022 by the poachers, an organized crime group. But he's highly revered for his passionate commitment to protecting and conserving the wildlife there in Africa, specifically the rhino. And he lost his life fighting a good fight, and this project is named in honor of him. Well, that seems like a fitting way to end. Stuart, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I've been speaking with Stuart Davis, Executive Vice President of Financial Crimes Risk Management and Group Chief Anti-Money Laundering Officer at Scotiabank. The Perspectives Podcast is made by me, Stephen Maurice, Armina Lagaya, and our producer, Andrew Norton. For a transcript of this episode, visit our website, scotiabank.com slash perspectives. We'll see you next time.